chapter 1 and verse 11 tonight for our text, but we'll be preaching out of chapter 2 tonight. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 11, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. Now when we come to this text, we note in chapter 1 that Nehemiah has uh, received the information and the word about the destruction of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah, he is in Shushan the palace, he is serving, he is the king's cupbearer, he's living the good life if you would, and he is, uh, he really doesn't have a bad life. In fact, all he does is taste and, uh, drink the king's food and, and, and meal, uh, uh, wine or whatever he has to drink to make sure nobody's poisoned. He's living in the palace, eating good food. He has a good life. But he hears about the remnant that Ezra took back to Israel some 14 years before. And they had reestablished the temple worship. But sadly, he had heard that the walls were still broken down and the gates there have been burned with fire for close to a hundred years. The Jerusalem had been in this condition. And Nehemiah was burdened over the fact that there was a group of people that was worshiping without walls. And we emphasized that uh, last Sunday night, that you can't worship without walls uh, because without walls you are subject uh, to be infiltrated by things from the outside and you're subject to lose the things that are precious on the inside. We preached last Sunday night on are you bothered or are you burdened. Tonight I want to look in this chapter number 2 and use in chapter 1 as a text. We know that Nehemiah makes this statement at the end of verse 11. I pray thee thy servant this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. Have you ever faced a situation in your life where you've stepped back and said, if this happens, if this works out, it's going to have to be God? That's exactly what Nehemiah is dealing with. He said, Lord, you're going to have to grant me mercy in the sight of this man. I have a burden to go and repair the walls and the gates of Jerusalem, but Lord, I'm the king's cupbearer. You're going to have to grant me mercy in this matter. I want to preach on this thought tonight out of Nehemiah chapter 2 on it's going to have to be God. It's going to have to be God. We're going to, we are entering in tomorrow and Tuesday to two nights that we are setting aside for the purpose of prayer. And I mentioned this last week and I haven't got off my heart all week. Are you praying about anything that it's going to, that is a, it's going to have to be God situation? I mean, if God works this thing out, if God, if it works out, if it goes the direction that you're desiring, uh, no man can get the credit for it. You can't get the credit for it. It's going to have to be God. Well, if you don't have anything like that, I can give you a few things to pray about in my own life. I believe if you're honest, we all have something that we're saying in our heart, boy, if this happens, it's going to have to be God. I'm going to tell you many times, folks, uh, the, the Lord will put us in situations like that so He can prove that He is God over and over again. Nehemiah said, Lord, you're going to have to grant me mercy. You're going to have to help me because I'm the king's cupbearer. It's going to have to be God. I want to say three things out of Nehemiah chapter 2 tonight quickly. First of all, I want us to note the illustrated patience of Nehemiah. 
Look at verse number 1 through 3. First of all, in this patience, uh, we must understand that uh, one writer said, we must not only know how to weep and pray, but how to wait and pray. Waiting on the Lord, Warren Wiersbe said, waiting on the Lord is not wasted time, but invested time. He tells us over and over again in the Bible, Exodus 14, stand still. In Ruth 3, sit still. In Psalm 46, be still. Sometimes you got to get still and allow God to do some things. I hate waiting. I'm not a very patient person. I'm not as bad as some people, uh, but I certainly probably don't have the patience that I need to have. And I certainly ain't going to crawl on an altar somewhere and ask God to give me more patience. I wouldn't pray such a foolish prayer because tribulation worketh patience. Can I get an amen out of that? But I tell you, we all can learn a lesson tonight about waiting on the Lord. Nehemiah has been waiting some four months when Nehemiah chapter 2 opens. This illustrative patience of Nehemiah is seen, first of all, in verse number 1, in the, his service continued. Look at your Bible. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of, uh, uh, of Azarus the king, that the wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now, I had not been aforetime sad in his presence. You know what Nehemiah was doing while he was waiting? He was working. See, a lot of people think we're waiting on God involving sitting still. It's just sitting, literally sitting down and saying, well, if it's going to get done, I'm just going to sit here and wait for God to do it. That's not what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah said, I need God to do something. If this gets taken care of, if this situation works out, it's going to have to be God. But until God does something while I'm waiting on God, I'm going to keep doing my job. I'm going to tell you tonight, if you're waiting on God to do something, you need to keep reading the Bible. And you need to keep praying. And you need to keep going to church. And you need to keep tithing. And you need to keep giving the missions. And you keep, need to keep doing all the things you know is the will of God while you are waiting. God will never use a lazy man. God don't use lazy people. Everybody oh, that God ever used in the Bible, and anybody God ever used in history, they were busy doing something for the Lord. He's, he's patient in the service that he continued in. But notice also, not only the service continued, but notice the sad countenance in verse number 2. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then was I very sore afraid. Even though Nehemiah is still laboring for the king, he cannot hide his sorrow and the sadness of his heart for his native home of Jerusalem. You see, you won't be able to shake a real burden. That's how I know many times we're bothered because we get over it too quickly. But I tell you, we really have a burden over something. When we're burdened about somebody's soul, oh, when we're burdened about a situation, we won't be able to shake it. We'll be under the constant burden of that. But do you see God working behind the scenes in this text? We're preaching tonight on it's going to have to be God. And watch this. The king inquires of Nehemiah's sadness. You realize the king could have reprimanded Nehemiah. The king could have had Nehemiah killed for being sad in his presence. You remember in the book of Esther, how Esther said, I can't even go before the king unless I'm invited. And the king could have killed Nehemiah in this text. But you know what? It was God working behind the 
scenes. You know what Nehemiah's doing? He's standing there. And he's got a burden for Jerusalem. And he's got that sad countenance. And all of a sudden, the king says, Nehemiah, what's wrong with you, buddy? Uh, do you have a problem? I'm going to tell you, Proverbs 21, 1 said, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And as rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. God's in control tonight. We're not Calvinists here tonight. We, but we do believe in God working behind the scenes and God orchestrating things and God preparing things. And God, God setting the stage, if you would. There's the service continued, the sad countenance. But then notice, please, in verse number three, the spoken communication. Verse three. And said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should my countenance not, why should not my countenance be sad when the city and the place of my father's sepulchre lieth in waste and the gates are overburdened with fire? He didn't say, oh, it's okay. No, when he got his opportunity to give the king his burden. He unloaded. I'm going to tell you, and I understand this is our earthly king, and we're going to make a distinction here in just a moment in the text. But I'm telling you, when you come before the king of glory, I'm glad he said in 1 Peter 5, 7, we can cast all our care upon him, for he careth for you. Amen. If Nehemiah had a meeting, now watch this, Nehemiah waiting on God, this illustrated patience, if Nehemiah had rushed in immediately, when he heard about this condition of Jerusalem and told the king what was going on and what he wanted to do, he would have been rejected. But he waited on God. And he waited on God to work some things out. You know what God did? God touched the king's heart. The Bible says in Psalm 27, 14, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I want to be cautious here in what I say but when I first became pastor, uh, there were some situations that, that I, I knew I was going to have to deal with eventually, just folks that were uh, in some position, and none of them are here tonight, uh, but some folks that were, uh, and they've not been here for many years, but they were in some positions, uh, they were not faithful and they were not committed, and here I am, 21 years old, I mean, you know, wet behind the ears, green as a gourd, uh, I probably had no business doing what I was doing, and I'm trying, you know what I found out, there were some things uh, that I'm looking back now, I probably should have pulled the trigger uh, quicker than what I did. But there were several situations I can look back on where I just wait on the Lord and it took care of itself and I didn't become the bad guy. Now, at the end of the day, should I handle some things differently? Absolutely. But you'll be amazed at what happens when you just wait on the Lord. You allow God to do some things. One man said, if you'll feed a man enough rope, he'll hang himself eventually. Amen. Wait on the Lord. There's the illustrated patience of Nehemiah in verses 1 through 3. But then in verses 4 through 10, we find the instituted plan of Nehemiah. Now don't miss this. While Nehemiah was waiting on the Lord, he was also devising a plan of how he was going to go about repairing these walls. This once again shows us that Nehemiah was not a lazy man. Notice the presented request in verse 4 and 5. Then the king said to me, For what dost thou make request? Watch what he does. So I prayed... To the God of heaven. Now don't miss the word picture. He's standing before the king. And the king says, Nehemiah, what do you need? You know what Nehemiah does? He bows his head. And he begins to pray. And he, and he just makes a quick prayer before the Lord. Now watch this. Nehemiah didn't live on quick prayers. He had spent time fasting and spending time before the Lord. But thank God Nehemiah was close enough to God that when he needed some help, he could whisper a prayer to heaven asking the Lord for some guidance. 
verse 5, And I said unto the king, If it pleased the king, and if I served and found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, under the, under the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. The king asked Nehemiah, What do you need? He said, Well, here's what I need. You know, Nehemiah, he had to wait for an invitation before he came before this king. But we can come before our king at any time. The king saw the sorrow of Nehemiah's face and had to ask, what's wrong? But our king tonight sees the sorrow of our heart and he knows our burden, he knows our need. People approaching the king had to be very careful how they spoke and what they said before the king. But aren't you glad that we don't have to put on a facade when we come before the Lord in prayer, but we can come in honesty and humility and say, God, this is what I need. You can't tell some people everything. In fact, you can't tell some people anything. But I'm glad you can tell it all to Jesus. The presented request. Look at verse 6. The perfect response. I mean, it was the best thing this king could have said. Verse 6. And the king said unto me, The queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be? And when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me. <coughs> excuse me. And I set a time. You know what? You see the hand of God work in this situation? Here's Nehemiah. He's standing before a man who does not know God. He does not believe in Jehovah. He's not a worshiper of God. And Nehemiah says, my home, uh, the walls have been broken down and they're worshiping without walls and I'm burdened. The king said, okay, how long are you going to be gone? How much time do I need to put you off? You know what? Nehemiah standing back saying, wow, God's answering my prayer. Because uh, if this was going to happen, it was going to have to be God. Oh, you think about situations in your life. Can you look back in your life and you can look back and say, that was a God moment. That was God that done that. That was God that worked that situation out. That was God that met my need. I hope you know what I'm talking about tonight. The word pleased here has a twofold meaning when it says that he would, the, the, so it pleased the king to send me. That word pleased means to be glad and to show that gladness with your face. In other words, he looked at Nehemiah and said, Nehemiah, I'm happy for you to go. You just go. You do what you need to do. How in the world does that happen? It is going to have to be God. Notice the provided resources, verses 7, 8, and 9. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given to me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come to Judah, and a letter unto Asaph, the, king, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beans for the gates of the palace, which I appertain to the house, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Then I came to the governors beyond the river, and gave in the king's letters. Now the king has sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Do you see what's going on? The king said, you need anything? He said, well, in fact, since you mentioned it, I need some timber and I need some men to help me because uh, we're going to need some timber to build these gates and we're going to need some timber for these walls. Do you see what's happening? God's letting Babylon, that brought them into captivity, God's letting Babylon fund the project of building the walls back up in Israel so they won't be invaded again see if this happened it was going to have to be God 
Are y'all picking up what I'm laying down tonight? Oh, thank God for a God that can work behind the scenes and He can do what nobody else can do. Preacher, I'm facing something that's big and I don't know if there's any hope. It's going to have to be God. Well, I won't let you know tonight God's not dead and God's not out of business, but He's still God and He's still in control and He can answer that prayer and He can meet that need if we'll be diligent and serious about getting before God. Notice the perverse resistance in verse number 10. The Bible said, When Salbalat the Hornite and Tobiah the servant of the Ammonite heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. But I want to remind you something. When you start out to do something for God, there's always going to be some resistance. Not everybody's going to be happy. Not everybody's going to be excited. Samballot was from Moab and Tobiah was from Ammon. The two descendants of the ancestral relationship that Lot had with his daughters coming out of Solomon and Gomorrah. They both pictured the flesh. Whenever you have a desire to do something for God, the flesh will immediately rise up and give you all the reasons why it can't be done. Every time. Every time. We not only notice tonight the... the illustrated patience of Nehemiah and the instituted plan of Nehemiah. But I also want to say a word about the intense preparation of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was not a man that went on feelings or on a whim, but he was a man of faith that had facts. This led to the preparation of repairing the walls. Notice in verses 11 through 16, the scene damage. Verse 11, So I came to Jerusalem was there Three days. Took him two months to get from Shushan to Jerusalem. And I rose in the night, and I and some of the few men with me, neither told I any man what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well into the dung port. And I viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof that were consumed with fire. Then I went to the gate of the fountain, and to the king's pool, where there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the brook, and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whether I went or what I did, neither as I had I told yet the Jews nor the priests nor the nobles nor the rulers nor the rest of the rest that did the work. What's Nehemiah doing? Nehemiah said, before we can build any walls, we've got to survey the damage. Here's how bad it was. In verse number 14, he said it was so bad in some places that his transportation, the beast, the horse, whatever he was riding on, could not even uh, compass, and could not even go, excuse me, go through the terrain. Things are bad in Jerusalem. I wrote this down. I read it in a book. Nehemiah could see more in the dark than they could in the day. You know why? Because he's a leader. I'll say this tonight, and this is not bragging on me or lifting myself up, but as a pastor, as a watchman on the wall... Being that watchman sat in a tower, higher. He could see further out. He could see things. That's why many times when I preach, I may preach on things, and I may deal with things. You say, well, what does that have to do with anything? But it's things that might be coming down the road, and there's things that we have to look out for and be aware of. We have to be sober, and we have to be vigilant. And Nehemiah was a leader, and he went out and he surveyed that. He had a vision for what he wanted to do. The Bible said in Proverbs 29, for without a vision the people perish. Notice the scene damage, but then, verse 17, the serious distress. Then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in. He didn't say what y'all are in. 
How Jerusalem lieth in waste and the gates are burned with fire. The word distress, you know what it means? It just means bad. We're in bad shape. The word waste means desolate. Before you can repair anything, you've got to recognize that it needs repairing. You know why a lot of men don't think that we ought to have walls tonight? Because they don't see the damage that living without walls can cause. You know why they allow other versions of the Bible in their church? They don't see the damage it can cause. You know why they allow contemporary music in? They don't see the damage it can cause. You know why they allow immodesty on their platform? Uh, because they don't see the damage it can cause. You know why they allow false doctrine to come across their pulpit and in the Sunday school? They don't see the damage it's going to cause. But without walls, you're going to have invasion. I want to say this tonight. I want every sinner in Rowan County to be welcome in this church. Can I get an amen out of that? But I don't want every sinner in Rowan County to be comfortable here. I don't want a sinner to come in here and hear the singing and hear the preaching and go out and think their life is okay. I want them to be challenged with the message of the gospel that you are a sinner. You have broken God's law. And because of that, you are headed to hell. But there is grace. There is forgiveness. There is mercy in Jesus Christ. Nehemiah said things are bad. Not only the seen damage, the serious distress, but the summons declared, look at verse 17, Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more reproached. You know what I like about Nehemiah? He's a leader, but he's a team player. He said, Come, let us. Let us build the wall. I want to say this tonight. I appreciate the men of our church. I appreciate those that's both Tony especially, that helps me mow the yard and, and things and other men that do things around here. And, I, and I, there's, there's times when I need men to step up. I enjoy mowing. I enjoy doing things around here. But I want to say this tonight. That's not my job to do that. And I understand that. But there's some things I enjoy doing. Sometimes I like getting on the mower, putting my earbuds in, and leave me alone. Amen. Most time, nobody's going to bother when you're sitting on a lawnmower out in the middle of the field somewhere. But I'll say this tonight, I don't have much confidence in a preacher that won't roll up his sleeves and get beside his men and work. I don't have much confidence in a man that, I understand some older men may can't do things. Old Brother Langston, they said the other day that he's down there, he has a, he has a camp meeting on his property uh, down where he lives and uh, his boy Phil that drives him says, yeah, we went out the other day splitting wood. He said, me and my other brother, we was out there with daddy splitting wood all day long. And he said, I woke up the next morning. He said, and I called my brother and said, are you sore? He said, yeah, I'm sore. He said, well, we better get down to the property before daddy gets down there. And they pulled down there and Brother Langston, 87 years old, was out there cleaning up their mess. He outworked them both. And he probably don't even need to be out there doing that. But I respect the man. Roll up his sleeves. Get down there and work. Hey, man, I ain't the Pope. I ain't the Lord over God's heritage. Hey Amen. First, something to be done. We'll crawl in a ditch together, roll up our sleeves, cut down a tree, mow some grass, plant flowers. Hey, I wouldn't want to follow a leader that wouldn't want to get down there with me. Amen. Nehemiah was a man that said, I'm going to, let's do it together. Nehemiah didn't stand back and say, here's how you need to do it. You read the book of Nehemiah. He's up on the wall. I can't come down. I'm doing a great work. I'm working up here laboring. A leader will delegate, but a leader is supposed to be leading from the front. You don't lead from the back, you lead from the front. 
There is the summons to Claire. But then notice the specific details. Verse 18. Then I told them of the hand of my God which was good upon me. And also the king's word which he had spoken unto me. If we're not careful, we'll read over that verse in our Bible. You know what he just told those men? He said, man, you ain't going to believe this. I was the king's cupbearer. I sat before the king. I was sad before the king. And God has worked all this out. The king has provided all the timber. He has sent horsemen. He has sent captains with me to help transport all this stuff. He said, God's already got his hands on this thing. Oh, let's not speed read the Bible tonight. When God does something, testify about it. When God does a God thing, you ought to brag on it. This led to the servant's determination. Look at verse 18. After they heard of what God had done for Nehemiah, well, they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. This encouraged the men, the fact that God had worked it out and they had got all the timber. How y'all like this for Baptists? For free! Babylon's paying for it. They got all this timber. And they said, boy, if God's good enough to do that, they strengthened their hands. They got ready. They got resolved. That word strength means become strong, to be courageous, to be firm, to be resolute. They said, that's right, Nehemiah. This work of building the wall, you know what they said? It is a good work. It's amazing if somebody just get excited for living for God and testify about it, the positive influence they could have on a discouraged believer. Amen. Hey, can I say this tonight? <coughs> I'm going to. Don't don't come in here dragging. Here's what I mean by that. Everybody goes through hard times. Everybody goes through difficulties, including your pastor. But by the grace of God, I don't want you to know it when I am. Because I know if I come in here dragged down, my head down, kicking a can down the road, it's going to affect y'all. I just know. I hate rainy Sundays because everybody's already in a rainy disposition. It never fails. I saw y'all yawning this morning. Of course, that hour change didn't help either. Amen. I think I slept all of four minutes last night. What I'm saying tonight, though, and you listen to me, I'm not saying you fake it. You got to be real. When we walk in this place, we enter into His courts with praise. And we enter into His presence with thanksgiving. Yeah, I've had a bad week. Yes, I've got stuff. But Lord, thank You. Let me make it to church. And Lord, thank You that we're going to get here. We're going to sing today. And Lord willing, that Bible's going to be open. And I'm going to hear some preaching. And God, I, I, I come hungry today. You know, I've never went to the table hungry and didn't get fed. When you come to the church hungry and desiring to meet with God... He'll feed you. He'll meet with you. Blessed are they which you hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I'm not saying that you don't have problems. I'm just saying don't allow your problems to dictate your worship. Job's a great example of that. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord is what he said. Verse, verse number 19. Notice the sinners despising. Here's Samballot and Tobiah again. When Samballot the Hornite and Tobiah the servant of the Ammonite, and they got a third one now, Molar and Curly, Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despise and said, What is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Well, that's a lie. The king had authorized the journey. The king had authorized the timber. But watch, somebody that don't want the work of God to go on, they'll run their mouth and try to lie and do anything they can to try to hinder it. And watch verse 20, the soul dependence. 
Then answered I them and said to them, The God of heaven, He will prosper us. Therefore we as servants will rise and build. He said, God's going to take care of us. God's going to prosper us. And watch what Nehemiah says right here in the last clause. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. These three men were was an Ammonite, a Moabite, and an Arabian. None of them were Jews. None of them were Israelites. Nehemiah said, I really don't want to hear one word you got to say. You ain't got a dog in this fight. God's going to prosper us. God's going to take care of us. And we're not allowing the world. We're not allowing the flesh. We're not allowing the devil to stop us. Because Nehemiah said, I've already seen God do too much. We're not going to stop now. And church, we have seen God do so much. We're not going to stop giving the missions now. Amen. We're not going to quit preaching now. We're not going to quit standing now. We've already seen God do too much. Too much, haven't we? We've seen God meet needs. We've seen God answer prayers. We've seen God do the miraculous. We've seen God take this church and give it a platform to minister to literally hundreds of preachers all across the southeast. Why? Because God has prospered us. Got a preacher flying here to be in the Timothy Conference. And I know our church is more than just the Timothy Conference. I understand that. But that is something God's entrusted unto us. And God has blessed our church with. And we are ministering and touching lives and being a blessing. And you know what? We've not come this far to quit now. We've come this far. We've seen God do so much. Let's not quit now. Are you praying about anything tonight that if it's going to get done, it's going to have to be God? Think about it for a minute. It might be a prodigal. It might be a situation that's completely out of your hands. But I'm glad when it's out of your hands, it's never out of his. Nehemiah closes his prayer in Nehemiah chapter 1 and said, I pray thee, thy servant this day, grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cup bearer. God, if it's going to get done, you're going to have to do it. I'm glad he's able tonight. Ephesians 3 says, Now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. You got those God-sized situations tonight? I'm glad he's able. He's able tonight. You can cut that live stream, Brother Phil. I'm done preaching tonight. We're going to have special prayer meeting the next couple of nights.